What's up, bridal babes? I hope you're ready to talk weddings with me in another exciting episode of your favorite wedding podcast, Bridal Buzz. I'm your host, Kat, and today we're joined by Lonnie, owner of LP Creative Events, a wedding planning company here in Colorado. I'm so excited today. We're going to be talking all things destination weddings. You guys are going to love this episode, especially if you are planning a destination wedding, a bridesmaid in a destination wedding, a guest going to a destination wedding. If you're involved in a destination wedding, this is going to be for you. So stay tuned, listen to the whole episode, and before we get into all of the stories, why don't we go ahead and learn a little bit about Lonnie and her history in the wedding industry? Yeah, um, so I've been in events for over 10 years. I started in the nonprofit sector and planned fundraising events, raised millions of dollars, um, and just realized I needed a break from the nonprofit world. And I felt really confident in my event planning skills, so I launched my company in 2019. And weddings became the new favorite event to produce. And um, it's kind of taken off from there. And I also am a full-time college professor at CU Boulder, right Hi. here where we are today. Go Buffs. Um, and teaching event planning for PR and other advertising and marketing courses. Cool. And also shout out to the Rembrandt Yard for yes. allowing us to record it in their gorgeous bridal suite. If you guys are looking to have a wedding in the Boulder area, definitely come check out Rembrandt Yard. The people here are great. And the space is just honestly like so fresh bright natural it's very organic feeling in here so you're not going to want to miss out on this venue uh if you are considering boulder for your wedding um but okay so tell me a little bit about your experience with destination weddings like how did you get started from doing local to expanding your market Mm -hmm. Why don't we start there? So I think this is kind of twofold. I think Colorado is a really unique state in that people come here to get married, but then also people who live here go other places to get married. So we get a bit of both of those clients in the state of Colorado. My first destination wedding was a couple who were actually in the medical field and working on their residencies, and they lived in Colorado. They got their allocations for where they're going to do their next fellowship of three to five years, and they got relocated to Utah. And so they Mm. go, will you go to Utah? And I go, (laughs) sure. So that's kind of where it all started, Um, kind of happened chance that they thought their wedding was going to be in Colorado, but they got relocated. And from there, we've been in Arizona and um, we'll be in Auburn this year. And we just got back from Palm Springs, California. We've been on the East Coast. So we've had quite the uh, United States journey and we're, we're excited for what's coming next. I love it. Are there any destinations that you're like have on your bucket list? Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Right now, Costa Rica is super hot for destinations in the tropical region. There's a venue in Cabo that I'm dying to work at, which was so close for a client, but then they pivoted, um, called Baja Luna. Super beautiful. Um, so some tropical ones are on the on the must-get-to list right now. Yeah. You're like, bring me to warmer weather, please. Especially today. <laughs> yes. It's a little more chilly than I was expecting. And you're also from Texas. So for yes. all of my Texas couples out there, Lonnie's heart is from Texas. She loves the Texas world. So definitely reach out to her if you're looking for a Texan to help yes. you plan your Colorado wedding as well. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, I think that's such an important thing to pick up because when a Texan couple comes to Colorado, I go, I know exactly who you are. I know exactly who your guests are going to be and what you're expecting because the Southern Texas wedding is a completely different type of gathering Mm -hmm. than a native Colorado wedding. And so having that Texas and Southern background, I think is helpful. Yeah, that's amazing. And so if you were talking to a couple about 
planning a destination wedding, what would be like your first make sure you consider these things before you commit to planning that destination? Time. I think give yourself a long runway to plan Mm. because I've had several clients think this is the destination for me. We go visit and they go, oh, just kidding. This isn't for (laughs) us. So your plan B takes a little bit more time to reorganize and to rethink, okay, what is the destination that we would like to be in? So I think if you have the flexibility of time, thinking out to 2025 even, to give you space to make changes and to visit and to make sure that that really is the destination location of your choosing. Right. And that's like something that a lot of couples might not take into consideration is the amount of times that you need to potentially visit your destination. I'm sure there are some couples that never actually go in person before they get married there. Yes. But like, what would your recommendation be for that? So that kind of does the flip side of the Colorado um, industry client is I have some folks coming in from New York this year Mm. and the venue they chose shuts down in the winter. Like Mm. you can't go visit it till the end of June. And they chose a July 6th wedding date. So they have seen photos. They hired a local vendor. They trust our guidance and expertise. We've been at this venue a bunch of times. So we are, we're prepared. We know what to expect. But um, these clients have definitely put their faith in my hands that to say, this is a venue we haven't seen before, but we're going to do it anyway. So finding that local expert, I think is important. Um, But just to same, same to say, like, I'll go anywhere, right? So it really depends on the clientele and the venue that you're thinking about choosing and, you know, what kind of support you're looking for. Yeah. So I feel like overall destination weddings take a lot more trust Mm -hmm. than a local wedding because you are a lot more hands-off. You're not there in person to be tasting your cake and doing these makeup trials. And that's something that we'll get into later with some of the stories that I found today. But it does. It definitely takes a lot more trust. Um, not easy to be a type A bride and plan a destination wedding. Correct. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then what do you think are some common misconceptions about having a destination wedding versus a local wedding? Oh my gosh. That it's actually harder to plan because I don't think it is. I think it's all the same elements, again, with the trust and, and bringing in the vendor team that really will support you. That's really your your plan to success is having that team to support you in all of your efforts. Um, I think what becomes difficult is the client's thinking, okay, gosh, I've asked my guests to pay for a plane ticket to come into town. I've asked them to then drive two and a half hours up a mountain pass and up thousands of feet in elevation. And then I'm asking them to do this. And then we have 14 other events to go to. So I think the worry starts to be, is this going to be too much for our guests? Hmm. And then the guest list starts to be the conversation. It's like, do we shorten that? Do we have a smaller guest count? Do something more intimate and then spend the money on a grand whatever you want to do. So I think the concerns shift a little bit more emotional and concern for guests and what you're asking them to do with it being a destination location. Yeah. And then what are like the the top things that you do as a planner going into new markets and mm-hmm. helping couples plan destinations? What's the biggest thing that you're doing? Because you're doing it from a distance too, mm-hmm. to make sure that you're hitting all of the marks. You're working with the best people in those local industries. Yep. All of that. So first thing I tell my students in marketing, research. You got to go in with data. You have to collect your information to make sure you're going in the right direction, making the right connections. So I definitely do a lot of scouring of the internet, looking at Google, looking at reviews, looking at Instagram, making sure that they're showing up on all of these 
sites and sources and social platforms to justify them being a legitimate company. Yeah. And then looking at like if it's hair and makeup, what are the photos they're posting? Is it a natural look? Is it a high glam look? What does my client want? So we really try to do a lot of back end looking and researching before we make these suggestions to our clients. Um, and then the networking end for my company is I'm joining the groups that have affiliations in other states. So there's a group mm. here that's nationalized called WIPA, and there's a bunch of chapters throughout the United States. And so having those connections at local chapters, I can reach out and say, hi, I'm a WIPA member from mm -hmm. Denver. We're coming into town. I'm having a hard time finding vendor X. Can you help me out? And so usually those networking connections and relationships are helpful. And that's step one in being a wedding vendor is building meaningful relationships with other vendors. Yes. So then... I know I have someone they can trust or and vice versa. I can trust them. They can trust me and making those really high quality recommendations. Yeah. So that's something bridal babes, like easy question to ask is what organizations are you a part of? Mm -hmm. Are they national? How many people are in those organizations? Because that does make a huge difference. Yes. And with WIPA to be a member, there's, there's a, bars you have to meet. You have to be in business for three years. You have to have your business insurance. Hmm. You know, it's not just anybody that has a business and a website can join these networking groups. Right. And so the caliber of people that we're interacting with are at a similar level and expectation of execution for, for clients. Hmm. I love that. I didn't know WIPA required three mm -hmm. years uh, in business. Yep. That is an easy way to assure that they've at least done enough weddings at this point. Yes. They've stayed in business. Um, mm -hmm. They know what they're doing. Yeah, that's that's a good little uh, trick there. What else? Event rents. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your service. Thank you. They were here, weren't they? They were, yeah. yeah they were one of the partners yesterday at the Sweet. showcase. Oh, the they're showcase the was super awesome. Yeah, so mm -hmm. Bridal Babes, I'm here in Boulder because Rembrandt Yard and Lonnie mm -hmm. Um, asked me to cover the Boulder Wedding Showcase, and it was so fun, so sweet. All of the vendors that I met are so genuine, open, just like good people. Um, not that I don't experience that in Texas, but it was really just like a breath of fresh air to walk yes. into a new industry and be welcomed with open mm -hmm. arms, and everyone was so excited for me to be here. So definitely super grateful. Thank you again for Absolutely. connecting me. And I am so glad that you say that because I feel like that about the Colorado wedding industry. Um, when I first launched my business, I was like, all right, I'm ready for the mean girls. Like, where is it? When's it going to happen? But it doesn't. And it hasn't. Like, everyone's super collaborative and very helpful. There's enough business for everybody. Yeah. Like, we're willing to, you know, help out and be there for one another. And I constantly think about this. What if I started my business in Texas? Like, it'd be a completely different experience. Yes. Like, love Texas, love the South, but we're just, it's just a different kind of um, community yes. here. It's a different vibe, mm -hmm, for sure. Mm -hmm. There are good vibes here. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, well, why don't we go ahead and get into some stories okay. from Wedit? Let's see. Okay. So, first story is. Title, What Do Guests Pay For at a Destination Wedding? Hi, I recently caught wind that my boyfriend's sibling is looking to have a destination wedding in the Bahamas or Puerto Rico. From what I am seeing about destination weddings, it seems very expensive and I'm curious what we as a guest have to pay for, i.e. hotel, airplane tickets, etc. But if we have to pay that much, do we have to give wedding gifts, etc.? Additionally, if we can't afford to go, what do we say or do? Would it be rude to voice this concern? 
My boyfriend did a small guess on how much it costs us individually, and it would be 1.5K to 2K per person. Mm -hmm. Yes. So back to the answer a couple minutes ago, the concern about what you're asking your guests to do is, is it weighs heavy on our clients. And um, I'm a firm believer that you don't have to give a wedding gift. Yeah. If you've been asking people to travel <laughs> and to do the things, right? Yeah. And these are also probably clients that have a mixer and they've got silverware. Like we don't need to have a registry if we're gallivanting off to the Bahamas yes. for a wedding. So yeah. don't feel bad about getting them a gift. Also, the proper etiquette is you have one year to give a wedding gift after the date. So if you want to save up for it, give them something at their one-year anniversary, you've got time. There's no big rush. Plus, who's going to travel with a gift? So <laughs> I think it's totally fine if you would like to be there and you're supportive of the marriage and you'd like to participate, pay to get there and to participate and experience. But I say hold off on the gift. Yeah, I agree. I feel like especially if you're spending $2,000, uh that's a lot of money yeah and like not no one is expecting you to spend that much on a wedding gift mm -mm. so i feel like planning a destination wedding hosting a destination wedding you have to expect people are spending a lot of money to be mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. and they're probably not going to get us a gift i mean yeah my and this is another question i actually had is like what defines a destination wedding mm. because i kind of called mine destination because Everyone had to travel. Mm -hmm. Nobody lived in the city that we were in. Even though it was like an hour away from where I lived, mm -hmm. we still couldn't just stay at our house. Nobody could sleep at their house. So – and then like my brother and his wife, it was in their hometown, but that's in Florida where no one else lives. So everyone was flying from Texas, from Pennsylvania. So for us, it was a destination wedding. For them, it wasn't necessarily. But I feel like there's like different opinions on does that count as a destination wedding or not. I think it definitely does, especially when that high percentage of the guest count doesn't live where you're having the ceremony and reception. Consider it a destination, you know, and there's things you can do for the out-of-town folks hosting a welcome social if you have that in the budget. Give them something to do when they land. It's cocktails and light bites. And then on the website, you can provide activities and fun things to do when they're in town. So if they've decided to add a few days to the wedding weekend, they've got some activities. You've offered suggestions. There are There is kind of the scale of destination. Is it just because people don't live here or are we going out of the country? Right. Completely different location right. for – Different currency. Correct. <laughs> yeah. So then that kind of weighs into it too. But I think it all falls under that destination umbrella. Yeah. Okay, cool. Because I was feeling a little bit invalidated earlier reading some stories <laughs> where they were like, this isn't destination because you live there. And it's like, well, if your guests are having to pay close to $1,000 mm -hmm. to – fly or pay for housing and all of these things to me it's a destination wedding mm -hmm. and I love my brother and his his wife but we just were not in the place to even like my own brother get him a wedding gift because we were spending money to be there yeah and maybe eventually like within that one year we'll be able to but it just was like hey our we are the gift your presence is the present <laughs> yes not to be like um and li living in pride or anything but mm -mm. like you're welcome that i'm here well and that's also <laughs> like you've made the short list if you know it's a destination wedding you've made the short list if you've got invited right so also open communication let them know hey we love you guys we just can't we can't swing it this year and that opens up either two more spots or however many for some other folks or it shortens their guest list and you know then they're spending less on your food and beverage yes so be open and honest with those folks if you're not able to attend for whatever reason. Yes. You don't have to tell them you can't afford it. Just be like, hey, sorry, you can't make it. 
So then they can make plans accordingly with the guest count. Yeah. And like tell them ASAP. Mm -hmm. It's a hard thing to tell them. Mm -hmm. Like I know it hurts to not be able to be at somebody you love's wedding. Mm -hmm. But the sooner you tell them, the quicker they're able to actually fill your spot. Especially if they've like committed to a minimum guest count or anything like that. It just helps them to make sure they're filling all their spots and using their money wisely. So do your loved one a favor, <laughs> RSVP, yes or no, as soon as you know your answer. Don't Correct. Don't wait until no, like the last minute. We will find you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll hunt you down. Exactly. <laughs> via the internet. Mm-hmm. Okay, so top comment says, typically guests are responsible for their travel and lodging. Gifts are never mandatory. And a card with a nice message should suffice. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty solid. Yeah. Like, I would agree. Yeah, a guest or like a wedding gift is never required. Mm-mm. And if you're um, somebody out there getting married and you are like livid at the fact that everyone you invited didn't get you a gift, you just got to sit with that uh, and ask yourself, why am I so upset that people aren't giving me things? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like it, just being a wedding guest is such a sacrifice. And I think if you haven't attended a lot of weddings or worked in the wedding industry, you kind yep. of forget that as mm-hmm. a as someone planning a wedding. But it is it's a huge sacrifice. Time, money, energy, other opportunity costs, you know. So yep. just appreciate the people who are there. Um, and what, whatever they are willing to give, you know, I know. And one thing that my husband and I did, we registered at REI because <laughs> I love that for we you just guys. wanted outdoor stuff and yeah. it's expensive, you know, and we put on there a canoe and carbon fiber oars. And <laughs> that was the first thing that got purchased. And we lived in an apartment at the time. I'm like, what are we going to do with a canoe? <laughs> so, um, the perks of, registry and registering somewhere that you enjoy is you can credit that stuff back and go buy what you really want so at the minimum if you wanted to like give them money to a place that they know that they enjoy then allow them to to purchase the gift but i think you know the expectation of gifting is what you just said it's a personal thing but you're providing food beverage and experience beautiful scenery all these things and it's a lot for the guests to drop everything to come to your wedding and it should be that emotional support and that connectivity and that community and wanting to support the couples in their new journey and the next chapter yeah that's what matters it's not the stuff Mm -mm. no if you're inviting a large guest list to your wedding just because you want more things Mm -hmm. reevaluate yeah you shouldn't be getting married yeah Yeah, you're probably not mature enough to be making this decision yet. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's just not about that. And I feel like a lot of people would be like, oh, have the baby shower, have the bridal shower to get Mm -hmm. all these things. And it's like, I feel like we've just become so materialistic as a society. We're kind of going on a side tangent, but I don't care. (laughs) And like all of this stuff, there are still things that I have not unwrapped Mm -hmm. that are in my pantry because like you said, I don't have space for it. It's like a serving dish that I'm like, where do I put this? And when am I hosting a dinner party that I'm going to be using this Correct. for? Not yet. I'm just not in my hostess era. It's okay. Yeah. And, you know, gosh, we miss our 12th year of marriage. And, like, there's still some stuff that we've used, like, twice. <laughs> so it's, like, be strategic of where you register yeah. and what you actually care about. I had a client want a piece of art. And so they put in a give me money towards this piece of art that I'd like to purchase, which was several thousands of dollars. And so it helped that client get this really lovely piece of art for their home. And every time they look at it, they'll be like, oh, our wedding guest helped us purchase this. It's meaningful. It's going to move from house to house with them. 
Um, I also had another client help people um, have people get them a car so you could go on this website and you could be like, I'll buy the front two tires for 600 bucks or whatever <laughs> oh you could God. afford. You're like, I'll get the steering wheel. And so by the end of the wedding weekend and everything, you could see how much of the car had been purchased by your guest and then you had to pay, you know, the difference. So yeah, there's some really so cool. fun and different things to think about if you're like, I don't need silverware, but there's there's other things. But also your older folks are going to want to get you something. Like the traditions are kind of yes. set in stone for them. Mm-hmm. So trying to appease everyone and making a registry because people are going to be looking for it. Mm-hmm you know, just trying to make it something that matters to the both of you. Mm -hmm. I've kind of given the advice of like, if you have that older generation, that's like really wanting to get you stuff, but you don't actually want stuff. I converted some of the gifts that I was uh, given on Zola into cash instead. And that's totally okay. Mm -hmm. Like it, you shouldn't feel guilty for that. You know, I don't think it's, I don't know, like maybe it's a little schemey, but like you're making them happy by saying, oh, yeah, you're getting me my silverware set. Yes. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm going to use that $300 toward, you know, whatever it is that we want to do, honeymoon or whatever, uh, art for the house. No shame in that game. It's it's your gift (laughs) at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And like IRL, people would give you a gift receipt and they wouldn't know whether or not you kept it or not. Correct. So don't feel guilty about that. Make your fake registry if you need to, (laughs) to appease whoever is having their opinions for whatever reason they're having about your wedding and your decisions. (laughs) But sometimes it's just easier to do that than to tell grandma uh, over and over that she has to give you cash because she's just not going to want to give you Mm -hmm. cash. She wants to be a part of your forever journey and know that you're eating off of her plates every night. And if people can't come, they're still going to send you a gift. So don't feel bad if they say no, or if you have to keep the guest list short, or if it's not able to invite your mom's group of girlfriends, Mm -hmm. like they'll still send you something. So, you know, again, put the gifts aside, be in it for what you're actually in it for. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) And back to the story, I think, you know, if you are traveling and you're already giving so much time and money to be at a wedding, Don't put that pressure on yourself to feel obligated to give anything else. If you want to, if you're able to, that's amazing. But I really do think couples that plan destination weddings understand how expensive it is. And unless you come from like a billionaire family, you're going to be okay with, you know, knowing that people are, they're giving their time and that is the gift. So cool. Next story. Destination. Wish you knew. We have decided on doing a destination wedding. Both my fiance, 42 male, and myself, 38 female, love the idea of a package at a resort. No stress, just show up and enjoy vibes. What are some things we should watch out for, be aware of, keep in mind while planning by going this route? Any surprises you wish you knew or any glad you dids? Thanks in advance. Mm. Packages. (laughs) Um, I do. I love and hate. I love and hate this if you're going somewhere like cancun mexico anywhere they've got these packages on lock they repeat these weddings every day so if you're okay with something that is like someone else's that has happened before then then go for it they do like two to three a day yeah so i think it's going in what are you and your partner's values what are your top five must-haves for this wedding is it turnkey ease of executing a wedding in mexico then great go for that so just knowing how you guys want to have your event, right? So packages are great. 
they're turnkey. You're working with vendors that work in that space a ton, so they're familiar with the area, the ins and outs, the load ends, the timeline, all of that. Super great. And then usually the hotel has a specific event concierge person for you, so you have someone on site to answer any of your questions. I still would recommend having some sort of planner assistance on site because the venue person may or may not line up your wedding party for the processional. They may or may not make sure that people are in their chairs for toes. They may not, you know, make sure that those details right. are going to happen. And traditions are different in different countries. Correct. So, yeah. Absolutely. So thinking through the planner in addition to, right? And then there's some venues in the States that have these packages that say, if you book this package, you get this baker, the, this catering company, this bar service. And it really kind of limits your creativity, I think. And mm. you also are kind of like stuck to what the package is providing. Right. So if you are a couple that wants to build and create and design and do your own thing and be unique and maybe make some non-traditional choices, then maybe a package isn't for you but if you're just wanting to go for the party and the beach then maybe it is for you yeah it all comes down to like what is your priority for your wedding yep yeah so what are some things with those packages that might be like red flags i would look at food and beverage because this is going to be your biggest price point regardless what is the minimum what is the if it's a plated what is the amount per plated dinner? Is it 75? Is it 109? What is it? And then same with the bar. What level shelf are you getting for your bar package? Is it on consumption? Is it hosted? What are these buzzwords in these contracts? Which is another reason why it's helpful to have a industry person read these things for you to kind of help navigate what that bar package means. Because Honestly, if you're doing an on-consumption bar package for a wedding, you're going to be penning so much more Hmm. money than if you just did a hosted bar. Hmm. So having some insights into what those contracts look like to help save or, you know, get the most bang for your buck with the food and beverage. Also, timeline. If they are doing three a day, which one of the day are you? Hmm. Is it sunset? Is it you got to get ready at hair and makeup? Do you have your own coordinator? Right. Do you got to get up at 4 a.m. to hit your 11 a.m. ceremony because that's your time slot? So timeline is another (laughs) one to be aware of. And um, rain plans, plan Bs. Like if you can't get married on the beach, if that's what the package is, where do you go? And let's look at it. And is it big enough? And is it conducive for your guest count? And does it still work? Yeah, like is that going to make you just as happy mm-hmm. as getting married on the beach? Correct. Yeah. yeah. I think plan Bs, regardless of where you are, always important here. We've got rain. We've got snow. We've got wind in some of these crazy venues up in the mountains. So we always have a plan B on lock regardless. Yes. And the more your clients know, okay, this is your rain option. I want you to be comfortable with it because if I got to make a call – this is where you're going to be, and I don't want you to be upset last minute. Yeah. So I think regardless, plan B is always on the list. Always. Always have a contingency plan. Mm-hmm. And if the venue doesn't, run in a yeah. different direction. <laughs> yep. Or just, you know. Buckle up. Be ready. <laughs> <laughs> get ready to get married in a uh, – Exactly. Yeah, in the rain for Hurricane, sure. Whatever. Yeah, anything. <laughs> the snow, whatever. Yeah. Probably not in Cancun, but hey, you know, the apocalypse is coming, so it could be snowing in Mexico. Ooh, stranger thing. things have happened. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like people might see the package as maybe a more affordable way mm-hmm. to go. Is that true? I think it, again, depends on the package and location. You might be getting deals from those vendors that have agreed to be a part of this package, right, Um, which 
have seen in the past. They're like, you get this package, you have X dollars towards your cake. If you want anything outside of this, you pay the, the difference. So you might be getting deals. Yeah. Um, you might also not be getting deals. Uh, and I think that food and beverage ticket's going to be what's going to make or break that budget is knowing what you're getting with your dinner, what you're getting with your cocktail apps, what that bar looks like. Because the last thing you want is a $10,000 bar tab at the end of the night that you're surprised with because you didn't realize it was on consumption Mm. and people drank themselves silly. Yeah, especially at destination weddings. I'm sure people are drinking a lot more than they would at a local. And, you know, pro tip, no one's going to drink beer and wine. They're all going for the spirits. Yes. So even if my client's like, we love beer, I'm like, yeah, no, you really don't. So (laughs) make sure that your beer wine quantities are not extraordinary. Right. And you are allotting for a lot of spirit forward cocktails. Yeah. People like to order fun drinks at fun events. Yep. Yep. Yeah. If it's offered, that's what they're going to go to. There's a very small percentage of people. Who would be like, no, I'll take the wine instead. Right. Yeah. Or it's like the wine during cocktail hour that's a glass and they're going to have six rum and Cokes later. Like right. the the percentage yeah. is just kind of lopsided. Yeah, that's a good tip for the, just like getting your bar ready. Yep. Because a lot of times, and probably not for destination, but in the States, you're typically providing the liquor that mm-hmm. you're bringing to the bar service. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's not like that at destination <laughs> weddings out um, Well, you can Mexico. go through the, the hotel. So it depends mm, on like who go. the distribution right. company is. So you'd usually – the hotel's food, and then the hotel's bar packages. So they're able to provide whatever booze and liquor that you want. But you're correct. With venues that don't have a distribution company, food and beverage in-house, you do have to bring the liquor in yourselves based off of liquor laws, especially, I mean, at least here in Colorado. Um, So you always over-purchase so you don't run out. That's the last thing you want is to Mm -hmm. run out. But then you have to go – you have to purchase from somewhere that takes returns and you got to collect all the unopened bottles and then yeah. you got to return the bottles. So it's a few steps. It's again, what are your values? What are your priorities? And you know, what are you willing to work on and what do you don't want to spend any time on? Right. Yeah. I think that's such a good point. And like, it could be, it could seem like the easy way out, but then it's like so limiting on what you actually get to make unique about your own wedding. Yeah. So just take all of that in consideration. And if you do book a package What's your freedom within that package? Are you mm-hmm. allowed to bring in certain things outside of that? Mm-hmm. Or are they going to charge you to have something from out of that package yeah. brought in? Read your contracts. Mm-hmm. Make sure you can communicate clearly with whoever is working on the other end, you know, just to be solid in your understanding of mm-hmm. what is going on. And, some, no, and just what your expectations need to be. Some packages – come with photographers and that's a very personal decision yeah especially in the mexico packages um so keep an eye out for that if you're like you you have to use this photographer if you hate their style then it probably isn't the package for you because you're gonna be looking at these photos for the rest of your life like Mm -hmm. you need to invest in a photographer if that's something that's important to you yeah i don't think i could i I could settle for a lot of things but i'd have to pick my own photographer yeah there's just so many options yes and just yeah it's such a personal thing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay so the top comment says that your closest favorite or favoritest person might not be there due to financial reasons so I guess this is in reference to like any surprises that you mm. wish you knew. Mm-hmm. And that is, it's a very hard part about destination is it costs a lot of money and people only have so much PTO. Mm-hmm. So you have to be okay with either accepting people not being there or choosing your wedding date based off of people's availability. Mm-hmm. Um, both of those things are not easy. So 
Yeah, and the destination guest list, again, is probably already going to be smaller on the number count. And if your best friend's not able to be there, you know, maybe make some special time prior to the wedding, do some celebrations in town, making it, you know, accessible for that person to spend that time with you and to celebrate you. And then potentially thinking about like a small wedding party. Maybe you don't need the seven on each side. Maybe you just have the one important person if you have siblings or, you know, if you've got a little kiddo in the fam or, you know, you're super close to your mom. I've seen moms be maids of honor, you know, or matrons of honor and, um, that's been super special. And the grandma's the flower girl. So there's lots of ways to kind of slice if your best friend's not able to attend and you still want to do something special. And having a smaller wedding party is a easy way to kind of navigate that. Yeah. And bridal babes, that's a trend this year. So mm-hmm. don't feel pressure to have a large bridal party anyway, um, regardless of its destination or local. They're so hard to corral. <laughs> Especially <laughs> if they are like drinking um and everyone's just like in their emotions they're like so focused on the bride and you're like hello over here yeah pay attention yeah no i i didn't even think about it until after my wedding of like having uh, a seated bridal party and as opposed to a standing bridal party and it actually would have been a really good idea for me because one of my bridesmaids almost passed out while she was standing up there because yes. and this happens to her i'm like you need to go see a doctor you have a problem <laughs> uh this is like the third time i've been with her when she almost Not passed good. out and i had no idea until like after cocktail hour mm-hmm. that this even happened because my other bridesmaid was able to like hold her physically make sure she didn't fall down but i'm just thinking about like how it would have shifted the room mm-hmm. and just like the whole day mm-hmm. if that would have happened like medical emergency in the middle of my ceremony yeah, girl. so like if you have a friend that <laughs> tends to pass out maybe just have her sit you know that's <laughs> it's super valid and also having the wedding party come in and sit it's less stress on them yep. i think being in a wedding party is an honor and it's great to be asked but then there's a lot of pressure you got to stand you can't you know you got to be smiling the whole time yeah i got it's it's a lot and then i've had folks buckle their knees and pass out and it's just and these old churches here in denver there's no ac and so you get married in these churches in the summer and like everybody's got fans and stuff so there's you know there's issues but having a seated wedding party go for it yeah the AC thing is something like coming from Texas. I'm like, you guys, don't, there's no AC. Like <laughs> yesterday, people were like, because I asked this question of what's the craziest thing you've ever seen happen at a wedding? Oh, God. And there was a lot of passing out stories. Uh-huh. And I was like, from alcohol? And they're like, no, from heat. And I'm mm-hmm. like, we're in Colorado. What do you mean from heat? You don't have AC in a lot of buildings. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I just, from t- coming from Texas, I feel like we're just so spoiled with AC. That and a ceiling fan? If there's not a ceiling fan in my room, I don't know what to do. Because, like, in Texas, you constantly need the circulation. The yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I The ceiling fans in my house never turn off. And when they do, I'm like, oh, my God, we need to clean those <laughs> yes. now. Turn it back on. <laughs> yeah. I didn't see anything. Nope. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And then another person commented, destination weddings are fun, but a lot of people will not be able to go. Make sure you are fully at peace with that. I just attended one a few weeks ago, and it was really fun and beautiful, but both the bride and groom struggled with how many family members and friends couldn't make it, and a lot of people who said they were coming bailed at the last minute. This, the bailing last minute. Mm-hmm. I, I'm someone who likes to have all of my travel plans set months in advance. I 
but this happened to my brother and sister-in-law mm-hmm. of a lot of people waited till the last minute to say, Oh, actually we can't come. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, did you already pay for your ticket though? Or yeah. did, were you just waiting till the last minute and you're like, Oh, pr- flights are a little bit too, too scared expensive to say now. Anything. And I guess it's too late, you know? And then it's like, they're just not thinking about how that actually affects mm-hmm. the bride to hear that the week of her wedding and mm-hmm. have to like reorganize the seating list and, you know, talk to catering about making sure she's not overpaying for mm-hmm. people who aren't going to be there and all these things. It's just, I feel like there's, they don't, guests don't understand necessarily. Right. Uh, the rule is two weeks. We have to give final numbers to catering and everyone that's doing a quantity type thing two weeks out. Mm-hmm. Sometimes for a florist, we have to tell them how many tables we'll have 30 days out so they can order floral, get it shipped wherever it's coming from. Mm-hmm. So at least at 30 days, we know we'll have 12 tables and whatever else for floral, seven bridesmaids, bouquets, etc. And then at two weeks, we got to know how many bodies we're feeding. And if you drop, we're still paying for you to eat even though you're not there. So I would say if you know by two weeks you can't go, just let them know because then they're actually going to be able to get some money back if they're able to drop their head count before that two-week mark. Don't be that friend. Don't be that family member Mm -hmm. who waits until like the week before the wedding to to apologize about your inability to be there. And I think – don't be afraid to tell them you can't go because the couple's brain is so much in like how many people, what's our budget, what are we going to do? They're worried about all these other details. The fact that you can't go is like, okay, great, two more yes. off the list. Like, yes. let's move on. So don't be afraid to tell them. And if you're waiting till the day before to tell them, do better. Yeah. And I don't think you'll be on the the couple's uh, favorite list from no. moving forward. <laughs> no. You know? And I think we may have gotten into this like comfortability of last minute cancellations because of COVID because Mm. when we were able to start having events again, you're either testing the day before, testing on site, you know, things were happening really close to the event date. So if for whatever reason you got COVID before the wedding, you couldn't travel, you couldn't attend. And obviously it was like, sure, you got it. You don't even come, totally get it. But like, but like that's COVID. Yeah. <laughs> that's not just because you felt like yeah. it. Yeah. If you were just uh procrastinating and didn't yeah. book your ticket in time, mm-hmm. that's a totally different totally story. Totally different. Yeah. And I think sometimes it is personal. You know, it's like something you have to digest when somebody tells you they're not gonna be yes. there. Yes. But especially with destination weddings, I feel like you have to have a healthy understanding that again, like a lot of people are not going to be able to make it. Yeah. It just is what it is. It's mm-hmm. the nature of the type of the event that you're mm-hmm. you're hosting. Yep. Yeah, I've had to walk some clients through that emotional process of like, well, why aren't they coming? Like, I'm really sad that they're not mm-hmm. going to be there. Why can't they be there? And so it's a big hurdle to then just kind of reevaluate, be like, I'm getting married because I'm getting married. Yes. You know, the party is a perk. Yes, and exactly. I still love them and they're still my friend and it sucks that they can't come, but we'll have plenty of other times to celebrate and be together. But it does hit hard. You're in your feels for a lot of wedding planning. Yes. <laughs> and so little things that probably wouldn't bother you before are magnified. Yes. Especially, I will say from personal experience, the month leading up mm-hmm. to the wedding bridal brain is real Mm -hmm. and I just was like there are things conversations I had with people that I was like wait I said that to you I'm so sorry like (laughs) I should not have brought that up the week before my wedding because I was not in a good emotional state you know like there's just so much going on Mm -hmm. the day before my wedding people were asking me my uh one of the planners was asking me questions about like things I wanted to do for the ceremony I'm like 
I don't care anymore. You yeah, make that decision. Absolutely. My wedding, like I'm checked out from this. Yep. Rehearsal started. Yep. I'm done. Yep. I'm done making choices. Yeah. The final two weeks is just wild. And as a planner, like our job is to be like, nope, that's normal. Like, that's fine. Don't worry about it because it is normal. Like these things do happen. And yep. we see it every weekend, multiple times yeah. a weekend. Like yeah. this is your maybe potential first time with a big event. Like yeah. we're throwing parties for two, two fifty all the time. So we are more accustomed to these last minute changes and, and being flexible and kind of going with the flow and just having to reassure our clients like this is going to happen. We'll just move some chairs around. It'll be fine. Don't re- worry about reprinting your seating chart. Like yes. that's the biggest thing. Yes. Is, but I already printed the seating chart. I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. But if you tell me Tommy's coming instead of Susie, we'll stand and be like, oh, are you Tommy? You're at table seven and mm-hmm. you know, so You're we're there to, tonight. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're able to kind of navigate those yeah. last minute changes if we know what's coming. Yeah. And I feel like there's this whole pressure of your wedding being the biggest day ever. And like, if these people aren't there, it's going to be like worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. And it's just not, it's not healthy to look at one day Mm -hmm. in that kind of frame. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Like it's a lot of pressure to put on yourself, Mm -hmm. on your vendors, Mm -hmm. on your partner, on the people in your life. Mm -hmm. Like there will be other opportunities for them to show up. And that's not to devalue the people who do everything they can to be there for you on your wedding like shout out to those people who sacrifice and you know put themselves aside to make sure that 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 they're there to support you Mm -hmm. because they don't have to yep you know yeah and especially destination wedding they could Mm -hmm. be like hey i'll see you when you get back and you know i'll buy you dinner you know and that's fine like love you still But there's definitely – you just have to go in with the right frame of reference. It's true. Mm -hmm. It's a a big day, but there's lots of other opportunities to celebrate, and you can always have an engagement party, uh, I don't know, a pre-wedding celebration. Um, Originally, my wedding probably would have been like 400 black tie, but that's just not who I am. So I bartered a deal. I was like, okay, 40 people on a lake. We'll throw a party six months later. Okay. And that was the deal. And that took a lot of pressure off. So like just the wedding weekend was the nearest and dearest. And the people that would, you know, didn't make the effort to to come to Colorado, all my Texans, right? <laughs> yeah. And then, <laughs> and then six months later, we threw a party in Houston. Aww. And that was wonderful. And people that weren't able to travel or for whatever reason didn't make the guest list, they got to <laughs> come celebrate with us yeah. and I got to wear my dress again. So it was a, Aww. you know, twofer. A twofer. Yeah. <laughs> That's so awesome. I feel like that is also becoming a trend. So you were mm-hmm. like way ahead of your time. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 12 years ahead of your that's time. That's right. That's right. Of um, pre-wedding. What did I call it? Post, post-marriage post wedding celebrations. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. getting married before you have the actual wedding. Correct. And I guess that also leads me to a question of like, what would you define as the difference between eloping mm-hmm. and destination wedding? Uh, eloping is the two of you and an officiant and that's it. Like you run away, you don't tell anybody. Eloping is a very, very teeny tiny small group, right? Um, in Colorado, your, you, your dog can marry you. So it's really easy. <laughs> um, it's, there's so many paw prints on marriage licenses that I we've done. State. So Colorado is super easy to elope. If you're just like, F it, we're going, then you can go out to the mountain. You can hike out wherever you want. You can read vows to one another, sign your marriage license and you're done. Um, I think that also for folks that don't like the attention on them, 
this is a great option to have a really intimate wedding cer celebration ceremony with just you and whoever your very tiny group is. And then when it comes to the party, you can kind of like mix and mingle and blend in and do whatever you need to do. Yeah. And with our party, I was able to well, – our, our wedding ceremony day, I was able to actually spend time with my husband that day. And then when we threw our party six months later, we walked in the front door and went separate ways because we knew we had to just circulate and yeah. mix and mingle. And so we were like, see you in a couple hours. <laughs> so it's a nice way to, you know, really have an intimate moment with yeah. your person before people get distracted. <laughs> distracted. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, I feel like there's this – I hear people all the time saying, oh, you know, I just want to elope with, mm -hmm. you know, my closest friends and family – so it's like, mm -mm. that's not actually an elopement. No, that's a slippery slope. Yeah. You know, as soon as you start inviting one person, it's like, oh, well, then Uncle Jack's got to come. Mm -hmm. and, oh, well, then that person's got to come. Like, elopements are also like no parents. Yeah. You know, like the, the hard line is drawn at the two of you and an officiant if you'd yeah. like one. And like if you're looking for Merriam-Webster dictionary definition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. as a planner, like – Holding that line is something we help our clients right. do. Like if you said, different packages. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. If you've said no kids, then we talk through why you think this kid should be there. Mm -hmm. And if there's a sentimental reason, if they're a part of the ceremony, if, you know, whatever just happened and we make sure that that should be a kid that's invited because then they're going to go, oh, well, can I bring my kid? Right. And then it, it just trickles. So you, the boundary is a, it's a hard line that you got to keep. Yeah. And you, it's just so important how you define things and mm -hmm. phrase things because mm – -hmm people will interpret it the way that they mm -hmm. understand that to be. Oh, yeah. yeah. And RSVPs come back. They're like, yeah, me plus seven. I'm like, where did you get the plus seven? <laughs> Who gave you permission? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we don't got room for that. Mm -mm. So there's some, some fun copy that we suggest. It's like, we've saved two seats for you at our wedding. Yes. Please let us know who's coming with you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. On our RSVP cards, we had blank of two, blank mm -hmm. of, you know, some mm -hmm. of the families were five people. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, but to RSVP more than it's ballsy. I, it just brings me back to like, I don't, sometimes I'm so concerned about wedding guests point of view on things. <laughs> I'm like, how, why is this what you think is okay? Correct. Like, uh, calling the bride and asking for a different dinner option. Mm -mm. Sorry. Like bring your own kind bar. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Just will, suck will it Will you die if you eat a peanut? <laughs> no? Okay. Well, you'll okay. be fine. <laughs> okay. We will not have peanuts anyways. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think that's it for... Oh, here's one. This comment is interesting. Okay. Be sure you're aware of all the rules the resort has for weddings. While I don't regret the resort my fiance and I chose, I may have done more venue shopping if I had been aware of some rules. The extra fees for decor setup, it shouldn't cost hundreds of dollars to put up a welcome sign. I'm having someone else create it. The venue wants to charge a couple $100 just to place it. Mm -mm. How a guest has to book a certain amount of nights at the hotel in order to be allowed at the wedding. The way the room block operates, the little things really add up. Yeah, those are really, really good points mm -hmm. of like, oh, yeah, minimum night stay. Mm -hmm. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, because if you're renting out a space they want to make sure that it's going to be beneficial for the hotel right. and that there's going to be enough bodies on site and they've probably got other weddings that are larger so they have to navigate which weddings they accept right. on their property so they can make money it's a whole it's a whole web and you know with the 
charging for decor setup and everything, that's technically the on-site person's role, which I understand the fee. Like, I get it. There's a lot going on. And if they do four a day, then it's outside their 40-hour week um, regulations. But if you brought a planner on site, like you could reduce those fees and be like, nope, don't worry about that. They'll do floral setup. They're right. going to do signage. They're going to do takedown. Right. Things like that. So again, if what are the number spreads? Does mm-hmm. it make more sense to bring somebody out or use the hotel's people? Right. Yeah. Very good points. And I will say in my own personal experience, the welcome signs that I was quoted to rent were also like two hundred dollars so it's not um limited to just this situation Mm -hmm. and also don't feel pressured to like spend that much on and and for me welcome signs are like my least favorite thing about a wedding like (laughs) i know they're really cute but to spend two hundred dollars on a sign that says welcome to the wedding that people already know they're there for Mm -hmm. unless you're at a hotel with multiple banquet banquet halls a venue that has two or three different weddings happening at once I think a welcome sign is an easy way to uh, save money mm-hmm. or just I, what I did is I printed out a sign at Office Depot yeah, for $40. I mean, there's some great printing options. Yeah. I mean, Minted's got some really cheap options. We've got discount codes that we can offer as, as a vendor. Um, when people ask about welcome signs, I'm like, do you want this to hang in your house afterward? Because then you can do a wooden thing that's yes. like engraved or yeah. whatever. Spend people a little sign bit more. It. Yeah. Yeah. So if they're like, nah, no, then it's like, all right, foam core 18 by 24. Yeah. Yeah. Print it. And like, is it super important for your pictures? Like, you know, is that like a top priority for you? If it is, okay, mm-hmm. then spend the $200. But if it's yeah. not, easy way to save money. For sure. And I, I like to think about those signs as directional signage for guests. People want to know where they're going and yes. what's happening next. So think of it as directional and not design and it's yes. be beautiful. Yes. So if you need arrows or where the bathrooms are, like just yes. print it on something cheap. Make it helpful. Yeah, make yeah. it helpful. Yeah. I did end up having, because it was like a, a, a homestead property, mm-hmm. we had directional signing. But yeah. I did not... That is something I paid for through the design company I worked with um, just because I there were so many buildings when people parked yes. that they needed to know where to go for yes. which event. Guest experience for sure. Yes. Signage is number one. They want to yes. be told what to do next, so mm-hmm. help them out. <laughs> yes. So there's a time and place for certain signs, but definitely an easy way to save money mm-hmm. um, if it's not necessary for your specific venue. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. Okay, this is our last story for the day. Oh, no. Um, Okay, title is Major DIYer and Planning a Destination Wedding equals Help Cue Hyperventilating. (laughs) My fiance is from England, and since we agreed we would live in the U.S., we also decided that the wedding should be in England so he could have one massive last party with all his loved ones and favorite people. Our wedding will be in September with 250 to 300 guests taking into account cancellations already at a venue we've already chosen for a week-long celebration. The thing is, though, I've always wanted to DIY the majority of my wedding, quote, stuff. Example, decor, welcome bags, signage, favors, floral arrangements, um, etc. You name it, I want to DIY it. However, knowing my wedding dress itself is already going to take up massive space and how much stuff I will already have to take over, how the heck do I DIY this wedding? How do I decorate a venue I haven't physically been to myself yet? And how the heck do I DIY everything from America? Do I just ship supplies to England a month or two in advance and hope I can make everything in time? Even though all my craft tools are here, Cricut and other bulky items, 
Do I just do everything here and ship them over before I head over as I finish them? Do I just order everything from Amazon and hope it looks like the photos? I also want to scour for some cheap furniture for outdoor seating near the reception since it's a marquee wedding. Do I just store all these things and let them accumulate at my future in-laws? Not to mention all the non-DIY stuff I need to figure out. Do I just not taste test my own cake? And what about a hair and makeup artist test run? Oh, Lord, the list goes on and on. Shocked faced emoji. All I got to say is my fiance is so lucky he has a cute butt for putting me on this emotional roller coaster that is wedding planning. <laughs> Needless to say, any advice or guidance would be much appreciated. Haha. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i have lots of thoughts yeah immediately share them okay great <laughs> um this is one of those concessions perhaps right um if you've agreed you're having the wedding in the uk you're gonna live in the u.s maybe the diy portion is something you have to be willing to maybe concede a bit on because all those things that she listed are very viable concerns thoughts and processes to go through and i just quick doing math you're gonna spend more on purchasing shipping storing whatever getting it from here to there yeah. then you are to hire people on site to do the thing and have right. the stuff already and to just rent things and just rent things yeah. because also what are you gonna do with the signs after the wedding like there's already great facebook groups that resell things but you're gonna be over there yeah. but you're gonna be here <laughs> like it just gets complicated yeah. so do yourself a mental favor and try to figure out what is the diy portion that you feel most passionate about and then figure out how to maybe do that which I think of that list, the welcome bags is a great one to do. You can ship everything in Amazon boxes, the bags, the tissue, the everything you want to put in it, all your gifts and items. Yeah. And then that's a fun thing to do with your in-laws or your girlfriends or whatever is assemble all the welcome bags. And if you're doing 250 to 300 guests, you got to get like 600 of everything. Yeah. Is that one bag for a couple or does each person get their own bag? Right. What are the quantities looking like? And then is there a tag and a sign and a thing and a welcome and a program? Mm -hmm. So I think welcome bags alone can be the DIY thing that can take yes. up the brain space and, and that allow will take enough of your time. <laughs> take up enough of your time. And also, once you get over there, building flowers is going to be the last thing you're going to want to do. I've floraled a wedding. Shout out to florists. I took me I worked 24 hours straight. Oh, to my flower God. a wedding Why? from procurement <laughs> to pruning to separating to prepping to designing to unloading to shipping like the whole thing 24 hours it took me to flower this wedding. You didn't do that again, did you? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I love floral and I appreciate the design and it's so beautiful mm -hmm. and I, I love flowers, but like that's some hella hard work. Yeah. And again, the last thing you're going to want to do two days before your wedding, you can't get flowers two weeks early and expect them to survive. You're getting flowers 48 hours in advance. Mm -hmm. You're pruning and working and doing everything the day before mm -hmm. right up to the last minute so they're as fresh as possible. And, and also, where are you going to store it? Correct. Yeah. Do the math. 250, 10 person per table, 25 to 30 tables. Where are you going to put 25 to 30 centerpieces? Yeah. And then candles. Do you want candles? Are those allowed? Is it LEDs? Is it whatever? So I think writing down the list of the DIY things that she is looking to do and then prioritizing those things and then figuring out where you can work backwards and utilize the people on the ground. They're, yes. They've got all the stuff. Yeah. They're there to help you. Yeah. For me, for me, it was the furniture. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I got to stop you at the furniture. I just – and like I'm sh maybe she has a great relationship with her in-laws, but I could – 
imagine those yeah. in-laws like their garage is just slowly filling up with all of this <laughs> wedding stuff and it's like and then where does it go after right are they gonna have to hold on to it guess what you're probably not gonna want that in your house no, no. like used furniture you're not gonna ship it back to no. the u.s no you're gonna sell it on facebook marketplace you're gonna There's spend just... so much money yes i think the money and time is just not it's not a a realistic mm-hmm. uh, idea mm-hmm. and I think her heart's in the right place mm-hmm. and I, I I am not a DIY bride so I don't relate to like wanting to DIY everything mm-hmm. but I know that people who are love to get their hands into things like it could be really hard especially if you're type A too mm-hmm. to like let someone else yeah. take over a project that you've been dreaming about your whole yeah. life of like making these backdrops and making these arrangements and all these things yeah. but like I feel like also with the signage, she could make all of her stickers, the Cricut stickers yeah, ahead, ahead of time. time and just bring the stickers to England mm-hmm. and buy the boards there. Sure. Yeah. That's easy to travel with. Mm-hmm. So there are there are things where it's like, okay, let's write out a list of, like you said, all these things I want to do yep. and then maybe measure them like based off of the size that they are, mm-hmm. the cost difference of having to like ship it versus buy it there. Yep. All these little details that... Then you go over and say, okay, I'm actually going to prioritize these three and I'm just going to have to let go of control on these other seven things. Um, <laughs> that's what it's, it's like a hundred things other on Other 12 list. <laughs> things on the list. I mean, yeah, it's... Unless you're getting to England two weeks before your wedding, which even still is like not enough time not to enough do all time. of this stuff. Yeah. Um, I just, I, it's not going to be the way you want to spend the, the few mm-hmm. days leading up to your wedding of like chaos, mm-hmm. you know, you need to be zen. Yeah. And maybe you throw a wedding shower in the States and you DIY that and make the signs for that. Or I don't know, you, there's a lot of great opportunities to build your invitations yourself. Yeah. If that's something you're really into, there's lots of paper sites and things that you can do. And my mom does calligraphy so we had like 20 invites i was like mom can you just write the invites and i'll assemble them so that was fun and hands-on because i'm a crafty gal but like i also didn't want to spend my life doing those things and then where is it gonna go when when it's done yeah so the the, after the fact is always what i mentioned like what are you gonna do with 35 chargers per table (laughs) right what are you gonna do with them yeah yeah no and i was this close to buying chargers because i wanted something very specific for my wedding look Mm -hmm. and then i'm like I don't need 150 rattan no chargers. Where are you gonna I will go? just rent the thing that is close enough that my decor company has, yeah. you know, which it's still like three or four dollars uh, charger. Dude, chargers are rent. so expensive. <laughs> like, uh... And for what? <laughs> you barely even see it. No, just get a larger <sighs> dinner plate. I was watching Wolf of Wall Street the other day, and the wedding. I was like. Oh, yeah. This looks like a pretty, like a normal wedding, uh-huh. and like the way that weddings have become just so over the top and social media and all of this like looking back at the wolf of wall street wedding i'm like they were like billionaires Mm -hmm. having a what looks like a pretty modest wedding you know they had a live band and you know maybe it was like not modest but compared to what we see online today i'm just like weddings have become like just so toxic yeah the expectations that a lot of people just can't meet Mm -hmm. because they see luxury weddings all day long and styled shoots and it's just so heartbreaking styled shoots yeah you gotta know when something's realistic and when it's attainable and when it's actually an executed thing not to 
too tangenty, but this is also where AI is going to come screw us. It's mm. like put in your wedding idea into AI and you get this digital image of like something that's not even feasible. <laughs> so you got to bring yourself into yeah. reality a little bit. And yeah, dream, dream big, but like we'll help you figure out what's actually able to happen also you can do anything with money but like if you've got a budget and we've got to work within a restraint which obviously totally fine but we're going to figure out the best way to have that execution be what you're looking for within the budget you have yes and it's such a important point of like working with a planner too is if you just don't know what things cost Mm -hmm. like this bouquet that's right here Mm -hmm. like that could easily be a hundred dollars and you wouldn't you know expect that yeah going in to weddings for sure oh okay like each flower Mm -hmm. could cost up to 10 15 dollars depending on the type of flower you want in your arrangements Mm -hmm. so working with a planner Mm -hmm. who in like having access to them i know it's hard to pay for bigger packages if you're on a budget but just having that person that you can talk to Mm -hmm. at any point in time in your planning process is so worth it yeah to just send them a picture and say hey uh what in this is actually uh realistic for our wedding like how can we use this a hundred thousand dollar example and turn it into a ten thousand dollar example we'll have a solution for you you know and i used to tell my clients like brain dump at 2 a.m i'll get back to you like Mm -hmm. get it out of your head write Mm -hmm. it down Send us pictures because we can know if that's a real wedding or if it's a styled shoot right. or if it was gobs of money or, yeah. you know, whatever it is. We'll be able to to source out the photo and then figure out how we can make it happen for you in, a, in whatever way that fits. Yeah. And then so the second part of this is testing the cake, testing mm. the makeup trial. Yeah. All of these things like meeting vendors in person, yeah. seeing the venue in person. What's your advice for couples that are struggling with that mm-hmm. of like just trust? Like- yeah. I Well, first, if it's in your timeline and budget, this is also why first thing, give yourself lots of time. Um, if you can go out to visit, that's one trip. You've booked your wedding venue, hopefully a year-ish, whatever, out. You come back at like three to four months before your wedding. You taste the food. You do the cake. You do a hair and makeup trial. That's another weekend trip out. And then you come back a third time for the actual wedding weekend of activities. So at minimum, if you've done the venue sight unseen, come into town to do the tasting and the things, which is common for our clientele. And you also want to do hair and makeup in the similar season in which you're getting married because your hair will do different things. Your skin will do different things. Humidity, heat, all of these things. Yep. So having that trip a little bit closer to the actual wedding date is helpful. You get excited. It's tangible again because you kind of forgot maybe what you saw or what you booked a year ago. Do you feel like minimum 18 months for planning destination? I mean, if that's luxurious. But yeah, I think so. (laughs) I think 18 to 12 is is – What's going to help reduce your anxiety and the stress of all these things building up in your to-do list, getting really long and the what-ifs and what-abouts and being able to work around your work and personal schedules to come and do those weekend yeah. trips to, to try and meet people and all of those things. Yeah. And the important, like, keep all of those things in the budget considered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, if you have to spend, you know, four or five days in your destination before the wedding, it all adds yep. up. And vice versa, if I'm going, I like to go. I put it in my contract. I'll go in that six to four month because 
as the producer, I want to see where I'm going and right. I want to be familiar with the space. Yes. And so usually we do like a group trip and we go and meet vendors and plan po- appointments and other meetings and get to see the venue and That's take helpful. pictures. Yeah. And it's good for me because then I come on wedding day and I'm like, all right, I know where I am and yeah. where things are and who to talk to. And Especially I remember as a planner, you're like telling people where Loden is yeah. and all of these things. And it's like, if, if you get there the day before the wedding and you've never seen the venue, I mean, it's doable. It's not great, but it's doable. And, you know, I think the one trip prior to wedding is a a must. Yeah. And bridal babes, keep that in mind of like, if you are looking to hire a planner for a destination wedding, it is worth it to have that in their contract, even if it's a little bit more money, Mm -hmm. because you want your planner to be familiar with the space and the people Mm -hmm. that they're going to be working with. Mm -hmm. So just take that into consideration. Mm -hmm. Good question to ask in your vetting process Mm -hmm. um, for sure. So let's see. That's a really long comment. (laughs) Second comment. As others have said, you have to adjust your expectations. Shipping everything isn't practical. Pick a couple of things you can't do without. I'd recommend hiring a wedding planner in the UK as planning a wedding from the US won't be easy. Maybe you could do a separate party in the US where you can live your DIY dreams. Maybe a year later as an anniversary party or a vow renewal. I think that's yeah, that's a good idea. It's the compromise, mm-hmm. you know? This is at the beginning of your life as a married couple. The compromises yeah. aren't going to stop at <laughs> your wedding planning. Yep. So finding the things that are, well, when I ask my clients, your top five must-haves. What are those things that when you close your eyes, as you see it at your wedding, you can't live without it. It can be an emotion, a song, a food type, or whatever. What are those top five things? And you can do that for any category. You can do it for the DIY stuff. You can do it for the what do I want to have in the States versus what do I want to do over there. And, you know, really prioritize and expectation setting at the front end is essential because – also, we have mental expectations and then we don't communicate them and then they're not being met. We're like, well, yeah. what's happening? So <laughs> why? Yeah. Having open communication about those yes. expectations and yes. knowing like, okay, things might change. Things happen. It's not going to be set in stone. It's an ever evolving thing with travel and plans and timelines. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just 18 months is a long time. You can't predict. Yeah. And off, off the expectations, the number one regret, re- <laughs> not regret, um, the number one thing that I hear from couples that have gotten married that was the hardest thing for them to deal with mm-hmm. was expectation versus reality. Mm-hmm. It wasn't budgeting. It wasn't, you know, picking the colors or the flowers. It wasn't, you know, anything else. It was having such high expectations mm-hmm. and it's not your fault. It We have been brainwashed mm-hmm. from the time we were born. Like, I feel like I was hosting weddings from with my Barbies yeah. at three years old. Like <laughs> my three-year-old brain was already thinking about how magical weddings were going to be one day. Mm-hmm. So don't get hard on yourself for feeling that disappointment. Just understand where it's coming from and like give yourself grace and forgive whoever, whatever is causing that lack of meeting your your expectations Mm -hmm. um and also like when you're dealing with people when you're dealing with vendors we're we're all human Mm -hmm. you know and so to expect a planner or a photographer or anything to be perfect is just it's gonna set you up for failure yeah 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 there's there's definitely some folks when you meet them for the first time you're like nothing I do will be right, you know? (laughs) So I'm going to pick and choose the things that Mm -hmm. I might fall short on or I know might come up a little short and 
just be prepared because there's there are just some folks in the planning process that do have those really high expectations and regardless of the day going perfectly smoothly and everything went there's going to be something that they're yeah. going to find that's yeah not right and even if it's your expectation is to DIY everything and then mm-hmm. you can't it's just I think appreciating what you can do, mm-hmm. appreciating what you do have, mm-hmm. um, and remembering why you're doing this at the end of the day. Yep. I say it all the time, DIFY, do it for you. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, if this girl wants to DIY everything, who's going to stop her? Like, go for it. You sure. know, Is it going to be the best case scenario? Is it going to make your life easier? No, but if it's what makes you truly the happiest person yeah. on the planet, then like, 100%. who am I to say not to do something? Yeah, I mean, you know? if you've got the funds and the time and you're ready for the whirlwind of getting it all put together, like we're mm-hmm. just here to give you experience yep. advice. But yeah, if that's your jam, then go for it. Yeah, it's at the end of the day, you just have to make the decision for you that you you can sleep with, mm-hmm. that you can live with, um, because it's it's better to live with that than regretting oh you know mm -hmm. but again like if you're able to have a party a year later or you know do your diy dream i don't know anything yeah (laughs) doesn't have to be your wedding you know that you diy a bunch of stuff for um then just focus on what you can do Mm -hmm. and let go of what you can't do absolutely yeah it's easier said than done i know very <laughs> it's very easy to sit here and talk especially post-wedding oh god um about all of these things yeah it it was not as easy pre-wedding mm-hmm. for me for sure mm-hmm. uh, and that's just you know i want to help all of you guys who are in this process feel at ease feel like this is going to be fun mm-hmm. and go into their wedding and and actually be pleasantly surprised yeah you know? yeah i think so i think Gosh, my happiest clients are like, here's what we're sort of thinking. And they kind of allow us to kind of run and make recommendations and suggestions. And then come the day, they're like, oh, this is beautiful. Mm. And they're really pleased. And I just had a past bride text me yesterday. It was so sweet. She's like, I'm at a wedding. There's no planner. I just wanted to say thank you so much. I didn't realize all the details that Mm -hmm. you took care of. She's like, this is chaos. Mm -hmm. I go, you're welcome. So, you know, it's like, if it's easy, that means someone's putting a lot of time and effort into making it easy. You know, it's not, didn't just happen that way. So I think investing in a planner, even just to be your sidekick through it all, someone to talk to about stuff. Part of um, our, my two higher end packages is two sessions with Tirza, who's a, a premarital wedding coach. And she helps our clients walk through hard conversations with families, conversations between them as a couple, like what does this look like planning together, anything you might need, a third-party person. She's got a social work background. She's super smart. But you just get – you lean on the support group that you have. Like there's there's no saying you have to – the one person in the couple has to do all this by themselves. It's a, you're doing this together. It's yeah. a joint effort. What do, what excites one person may not excite the other. So where do you, you know, delegate those things of the to-do list and creativity and execution and figuring out the best mix because everybody's going to be a little different. Right. Okay. Well, I think that about sums up this episode for Destination Weddings. Thanks so much, Lonnie. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yes. I'm just so glad this all, like, timing was perfect. Yeah. I'm so grateful to have been here in Boulder. Yep. And again, Bridal Babes, if you are looking for wedding planning, wedding help in the Colorado area or anywhere around the world, Lonnie's here to help. <laughs> we'll travel. We'll have steamer. We'll travel we'll for travel. food. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
Yes. And again, she's a Texas girl at heart. So Texas Bridal Babes, reach out to her for all of your, if you're looking for Colorado, she is definitely a a great person to go to for that. Yes, of course. So, okay. Do you have any final tips you want to throw out there for them? Gosh. Do it the way you want to do it. Hold your boundaries. Don't let your family and friends sway you to do something that they think you should do because it's your day at the end of it all and not theirs. Yep. And it's going to, you're, you're going to feel kind of, uh, mean maybe, but hold your boundaries. It's not, you're not mean. I know. I, the talk I gave yesterday, the, the quote from the top was you're not a bridezilla. You just have boundaries. So, yes. um, <laughs> just be sure you, uh, repeat that. And mm-hmm. uh, just because your mother-in-law says something, it doesn't mean it has to happen. Mm-hmm. And just because you have an opinion that differs with yeah. what they have, doesn't make you a bridezilla correct yeah ban bridezilla <laughs> i will say there are some people who are bridezillas but it is very In rare this term <laughs> it is very rare that someone is actually being a bridezilla it's more so that they correct. are expressing their opinions mm-hmm. um in a very firm way yeah and god forbid uh you know women do that correct so how dare we <laughs> how dare we as a, a female the female race uh project how we feel about things yeah gosh yeah. darn it <laughs> We've got a great resource here, and hopefully your planning journey is fun. Weddings can be fun. It's going to be the most beautiful day of your life. Just stay along for the ride. Yes, it will be so beautiful. And just remember, DIFY, you're getting married to the person that you chose to get married to. And hopefully you're really excited about that. Mm -hmm. And that's what matters most. So as long as you have your person, a marriage license, and here in Colorado, your dog to yep. officiate it. Yep. That's all you need. <laughs> Everything else is just added bonus. Correct. So that's it for today's well episode, done. Bridal Babes. Uh, don't forget the buzz does not stop here. We are everywhere online. You can find us on TikTok, Instagram for all of your best wedding inspiration. And don't forget to check out the YouTube channel for more how-tos, tips, and trends. And also head to bridalbuzz.com to find merch like this I'm a Bridal Babe sweater. Super cozy, super cute. Just a fun way to feel like in your bridal era um, without just saying bride on your shirt or wifey or, you know, or wife-to-be. You're not wifey yet, but just in supporting me as your favorite podcast host in the world. So... (laughs) would love that and just happy wedding planning to you and we'll see you next time bye